Flip Folder app is revolutionizing musical ensembles across the country using state-of-the-art connectivity technology. Visit flipfolderapp.com to see how your ensemble can improve efficiency in rehearsals and performances, save time and money, and improve musicianship. Hello, and welcome back to Season 3 of College Band Radio, brought to you by College Marching and sponsored by Flip Folder App. It's officially week one of the college football season, so to celebrate, we have an amazing episode in store just for you. Jason and Alex chatted with the director of the Clemson University Tiger Band and president of the College Band Directors National Association, Dr. Mark Speed, about the growth of the Clemson Band as the football team took its journey from your average middle-of-the-pack team to one that's become a bit of a regular in the college football championship game. We can't wait for you to take a listen. But before we get into that, of course we have to plug all of our social medias. So go ahead and drop us a follow at College Band Radio on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok, as well as on Twitter at College Band RDO. Because as you've probably heard all of us say a million times by now, radio is in fact one letter too long. Plus, we also have a website, www.collegebandradio.com, where you can find all that info in case you forget. On the site, you can also find a link to our new merch store, so make sure you go check it out. You're definitely going to want to rock a sleek, warm college band radio hoodie to rehearsals as it gets colder out this season. Our college band radio live shows are returning this season, so make sure you're following us on all of those social media accounts for all of our updates. And on that note, I think it's time we hop into this interview. Now it's time for the five-minute tailgate. We got five minutes on the clock, so let's not waste too much time. I'm here with Alex and Madeline. And we're going to be talking all about what is the relationship like between our school's football teams and the marching bands. Alex, why don't you go first? So from my experiences at Maryland, uh, I would say that the relationship was pretty good. I know it's better for some schools and worse for other schools. So, and, and I don't know if this was a thing previous to when I had gotten there, but the coaching staff, the previous coaching staff, and now the current coaching staff had the team uh, after games come over. And I think during the spring game as well, had them come over and sing our victory song. So Maryland has both Maryland victory, um, which is a song that they play usually like right after um, uh, touchdowns. And that that's like the song that most people think is our fight song. And then the actual fight song. So they come over, they sing Maryland victory, and then go back to the locker room and do whatever. Um, we have had the head coaches come over and uh, I guess for the football sake, we've had the head coaches come over and kind of, you know, say thank you guys for the support that you've given us over the course of the year and that kind of stuff. But I would say other than that specific thing, which is just, you know, coming over, saying the victory song and then leaving, that's pretty much it. Like, like they don't stay for the alma mater or anything like that. And Madeline, how about you? Um, I guess in recent years, at least in my time, our football coach hasn't had much to do with our football team the entire time. My director, uh, Dr. Richard Sook, I think he's been there since 98, and he's never had much interaction between the band and the football team until recently our previous coach just stepped down, then one of the other coaches for something else stepped up, and he automatically reached out to Dr. Sook and was like, hey, we want to watch the band perform because during halftime, they're off in the locker room doing whatever. So in a few days on Friday, so you're going to be listening to this. That's the day we're going to do this. Um, we'll be performing our halftime show for the football team. 
which is really exciting because I've never been in a program where the football team like appreciated the band until this year. And I'm really excited to have that connection with them. And I guess previously, the only other thing we've done with the football team was at the end of every home game, we sing our alma mater, Ohio, together, and then they leave. And that's about the only interaction we've had between the two of us. Yeah, at Rutgers, it's very similar to what Alex was saying about Maryland. There's not a whole lot. It's, for the most part, just after the game, the team comes over and we play the alma mater, uh, and then they go back to the locker room. You know, once a season or so, the coach might go and buy the band pizza as, like, the pregame meal. Um, But... Other than that, there's not a whole lot. But that about wraps it up for the 5-Minute Tailgate, so stay tuned for the rest of the episode. And we're back on this latest episode of College Man Radio. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about the, I guess, the history of how marching man and football have become intertwined over the years and the um, just the, the continuous growth of both. And with us today, uh, we are going to be doing an interview with, uh, I want to make sure I get your last name right, Mark Spade or Speed? Speed, like fast. Speed. Okay, Speed. So Mark Speed, who is the current director of bands at the uh, at Clemson University and is also the, if I'm not mistaken, the director of the College Band Directors National Association, if I'm not mistaken? That's right, yes. So first off, Mark, thank you so much for coming on, taking the time uh, to talk with us. How are you doing? Uh, great, great. Hope you guys are well too. Doing about as well as we can. Like I said in this um, in this interview, we're going to be talking about that that intersection between marching men and football and the continuous history with that. So you've had a lot of experience when it comes to big time football programs, and not only that, but also big time marching men programs. Can you kind of go into, I guess, your history when it comes to the marching men world and the different places that you've been? Sure. Yeah, um, I'm kind of in a unique position amongst college band directors um, because I've been. You know, this Clemson is my fourth stop at what what I would consider a major football powerhouse. So I did my undergrad at Michigan, and my first college teaching job was at the University of Florida. Uh, Steve Spurrier came to be the coach there while I was there, and then I went off to do my doctorate at the University of Texas at Austin. And so, um, you know, by the time I got the job here at Clemson, where I am now, uh, I'd seen a lot of great football, been to a ton of uh, bowl games, you know, all the major bowl games. I think the last one uh, that I checked off at Clemson was the Orange Bowl. I had never been to the Orange Bowl, but I had been to all the other major bowls before I got to Clemson. So, yeah, been watching uh, some great college football for, for many, many years and also been around all those great bands as well. So how so how do you see or or how have you seen the evolution of of marching bands through the different programs that you've been in because obviously all of these all of these football programs are big time programs and you know with that comes the territory of of bigger name and I guess uh, bigger pedigree larger pedigree marching bands so how have you seen that that evolution over time as um, uh, as you've been a director and worked with different marching bands. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think in my early days as an undergrad, the bands were shown more on TV. Uh, you know, you'd usually see a snippet of pregame on the television coverage, and then they might show uh, a little bit of the halftime performance as well. Um, and then uh, halftime broadcast became a different animal at some point where they were covering other games and talking about what had happened in the first half. And the, the marching bands were really. Uh, pushed to the side in terms of national media attention. 
Uh, and then, of course, with the advent of the internet, uh, social media, we've seen a resurgence in popularity and visibility of the marching band programs, as well as uh, you know these huge games at the end of the year with the college football playoffs. Um, you know, they, they, uh, uh, the CFP does a great job of, of including the bands in all of their activity, and you can even watch um, you know, streamed versions of the pregame and halftime shows if you're watching the national championship game, let's say. So there are definitely opportunities to hear and see the bands now that didn't exist, you know, back in the dark ages when I was an undergrad. So yeah, it's it's been a um, it's been an explosion in more recent years, which has really I think benefited um, all of us who are involved in, in college marching band. So with that, um, I wanted to I guess more specifically hone into your career so far at Clemson. So you joined, um, you became director of bands at Clemson in 2002 and you've been there since then. And obviously when you started out, I guess from what I looked, Clemson was a good school. Clemson went to bowl games. They were ranked some years, but it wasn't necessarily consistent. And then once Davo Swinney came along, who's the current head coach for Clemson football, things kind of exploded and went out of control and they had guys like like Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence and DeAndre Hopkins come through the program and it gained national notoriety. So how did that coincide with what happened with with the marching band program at Clemson? Yeah, it's it's an interesting story. Um, so when I was hired at Clemson, um, my the, the task I was given was we want a bigger, better marching band. And so that first year in 2002, the band was about 160 people uh, I think in 2016, we had, in discussions with athletics, we capped the band at 356. So, so we've seen you know huge growth um, over the years, and you know I, I'm, I'm not sure how much the football had to do with it. I, I know it had something to do with it, but we were we were on an upward growth pattern even before the football team got to be really really good. And you're right. Uh, my early years at Clemson, the football program, you know, it was eight and four, uh, nine and three, seven and five, th those kind of years, you know, never, never really had a breakthrough and had never uh, won the ACC, you know, since, um, since Florida State, I think, joined the conference in 1991. Clemson had not uh, been able to break through and, and win the ACC. So, you know, when Dabo uh, was named the head coach in 2008. It took him a long time to get the program to where it is now. I think people don't realize that there was a struggle, and he was almost fired. I mean, the fans wanted to get rid of him in his second year. Uh, you know, I think I think the team went six and six in the regular season, and then lost to the University of South Florida in the Meineke Car Care Bowl in Charlotte. And people were calling for his head. You know, they said, "Okay, this experiment didn't work. We need to get a real coach." Um, but you know, luckily, the, the athletic director at the time stuck with him. They, that he knew Dabo was building something here. And um, you know, people just sort of forget that those early years. You know, they think Clemson just burst onto the program. It was also a steady uh, incline. And, and you know. I've watched, uh, you know, some of my alma maters hire and fire coaches. Um, you know, it's it's tough. It's tough to build a program. Fan bases want great football right away, and they're not really given enough time to, to really build a program the way it needs to be built. But luckily, Dabo was given that opportunity, and uh, you know that that has paid dividends. Obviously, here we're we're of course known now as one of the top football programs in the country, but. 
you know, 10 years ago, no way, not even close. You can almost make an argument that like, with that, you were also a good contrib- contribution to that, to the football success with the band, you know, bringing in the band and starting to bring the band back up into where it is now. Some people might say like that started the, the rise of the, the re-rise or the resurgence of the Clemson football program. But with the whole resurgence, like whenever you get really good at football, I wouldn't know. I go to Purdue. But like whenever you're at the top of the echelon of the college football like scene, you get like certain – there's a certain perks to being up there. You get more attention obviously. Um, does that ha- – like did that have any effect on the marching band? Like did you have to change your – operations to fit the popularity and like the I guess attention that Clemson was getting yeah I think um, you know just to let you in on on my thinking back in the early days when I got here uh, you know I made a target of 300 band members as my goal Um, I think we hit 300 in 2012 or so and uh, you know that was like my dream had been fulfilled. You know, it took 11 years to get there, but, you know, we had finally gotten there. And then, you know, it kept incrementally growing from there. And the first year we made the college football playoff after the 2015 season, we, uh, I think we, the band was 340 that year. And we pretty much took everyone who wanted to be in the band. You know, we, we weren't um, able to be, you know, choosy about that. Uh, so, um, you know, even if you look back on YouTube, you can find our halftime show from the national championship game. We played Alabama in Phoenix, if my memory serves right, and lost that game. It was a it was a back and forth game, really exciting game. Um, but that band performance, our halftime show, you know, is is every bit bit as good as any um, band that I've had here since that time. So I, I always tell people, we were ready when the bright lights shown on the band. Uh, you know, it's not like it's not like the band has built itself up since the f- success of the football program. When we got to the top of the football world, the band was ready to go. So uh, again, I think I mentioned earlier, we, that, that next year I had conversations with athletics about, you know, how, what, what's the growth pattern here? You know, how big do we want the band to be? And we have a very small staff here. We don't have a traditional music major, uh, much like Purdue. And, um, you know, we just thought for the size staff that we have that we would uh, cap the band. And so that has helped the quality of the band over the recent years because we are turning um, people away now that we used to, uh, you know, we used to take everybody. So now we're, um, you know, we have competitive auditions and we're turning people away. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been great. I'm very thankful. I always tell people Dabo Sweeney is my best recruiter. Um, because obviously he has shown a bright spotlight onto Clemson University. You know, I think before he got here, a lot of people would have been hard-pressed to even point to where we are on the map. Um, And even myself, when I did the interview, I had to look it up. I didn't know what state it was in. So, um, yeah, it's it's the bright lights now. I guess... Now that now that you have those now that you've had those bright lights for a while now, do you think there's, I guess, certain like expectations that come with it as a band, or do you feel that those expectations were already kind of there, and it's just now that people are just noticing now? Well, I you know I my personal philo- philosophy over the years has been to set the the standard very high. Put you know I always talk about setting the bar high. We don't want to set the bar low. Uh, that's too easy to meet that. So set the bar really high and you know try and reach the potential of every year's band whatever that might be um and and yes it's i I think 
the biggest change that I've noticed since we've been going to the college football playoff is the quality of the students' uh, musicianship is much better than it used to be. And I attribute that to a couple things. First of all, the state of music education in our state has gotten a lot better. So, you know, my quote unquote feeder programs, all the high schools in the state of South Carolina are really doing a great job of teaching uh, these young students who end up here. And, um, you know, the second thing is, I, the, you know, the attention that the band has had has really raised our profile and get, gained the interest of really good players, you know. so. For instance, my top concert ensemble uh, is probably 80% former Allstate players now, and all those people are playing in the marching band as well, in Tiger Band. So, uh, you know, the quality of, of everything, everything here has, has gone up since the football success. Uh, you know, the band is, is capped, um, but, but, you know, like this year, uh, we just got through band camp. It's, it's probably the best band I've ever had, quality-wise. Uh, it's been the hottest band camp we've ever had, and we've lost the most rehearsal time to rain that we've ever <laughs> lost. Um, but even given all those challenges, um, you know, I can tell uh, the potential for this particular year's band is, is very high, the highest it's ever been. I am curious to wonder, is there added pressure or like, do you feel nervous at all? Or have you felt nervous in more recent years now that the um, I guess now that the band has more of a national spotlight than they did previously? You know, I, I can honestly say I don't um, because I always um, put pressure on myself uh, no matter what year it was, whether the team was good or bad. I always wanted the band to be as good as it possibly could be. So I never took my foot off the gas pedal in terms of that. So, so where we are now, it's just an extension of what we've been doing. So no, I don't. I don't feel any extra pressure. It's it's all self-imposed. Um, you know, my my personal standard is very high, and I want the band to be as good as it possibly can be. But that's not changed since I got here. I mean, you can ask the kids who were in the band in 2002. I was uh, pretty demanding of them, and uh, many of them were not happy with me. But um, you know, they learned they learned the process. You know, we go through. Uh, a process just like football teams go through and um, you know we trust in the process that we have here that the product will will follow the process and I also wanted to ask about so we met, or you talked about social media earlier and obviously that's had a very big impact on a lot of different uh, college marching bands across the country um, and that's definitely more much more of a recent revelation something that uh, really wasn't a thing at all when you first started at Clemson and now is, you know, giant and has such a huge impact, not only on marching men, but also just society in general. So um, how much do you think personally that's helped grow uh, the program itself? Because obviously people are going to be watching the games uh, and watching, you know, Clemson play and destroy other teams, depending on, you know, what team it is. But now they also have the opportunity to see what the marching band is doing and all of that and watching performances and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it, it's, it's been great um, for us to be able to reach so many people and, and our target audience, obvi obviously, for recruiting our high school band members. So, um, you know, we're meeting them where they are, where they live, which is social media, wh which has been great. Um, you know, but as you all know from your personal experience, Watching a band on YouTube and experiencing it live are two very different things. Uh, one, 
you know, the, the video version is a pale, uh, a pale version of the real life thing. You know, the real life sound of a marching band watching all the visual stuff going on. It's so visceral. It, it makes the hair on your arm stand up, you know, with all the cliches about uh, all of that. You know, YouTube, social media, not quite there, but um, if we can get those students to come to a game or come to a rehearsal, uh, then they can feel the impact of what the band sounds like in person. And that's, that's really still my ultimate goal is, is to recruit students you know, live. Now the social media may get them here for a visit or, 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 or uh, to take in a game or whatever, um, but it's really hearing the band and seeing it live that really is the, is the kicker. And that's true for any college band, you know. Um, you always want to get that live performance. How would you say, like, being at Clemson, how would you say the band has evolved since you've been here to where the band is now, besides just, besides just you know, in numbers and uh, musicality, because that's just going to happen because you guys are good and people will see that and more people will show up. But, like, is there any other, I guess, other examples of how the band has evolved throughout the, these years that you've been here? Yeah, I, you know, really my philosophy has remained fairly consistent and the vision for what I have uh, for the future and how we, how we operate and everything is, is pretty consistent. Um, I will say the challenge and the pressure, get, you know, you asked the question about pressure before. The pressure is on in one area and that's show design. Like what shows are we going to do this year? Because, you know, we may have had like the best show ever last year what are we going to play this year that's going to match what we did last that's a real challenge every year uh and it's th that's the one area where i do uh spend a little uh, bit of sleepless nights is trying to figure out okay what can we do that will match or top what we did you know for that x show so so music selection is always foremost on my mind and in recent years uh, in, the, in the early days, I wasn't so concerned about the audience appeal of our shows. I just wanted it to be excellent. I wanted the band to play great and look great and, and the drill be really interesting and the visual element to be interesting so that anyone watching it could appreciate it. They may not know the music that we were playing, but they could recognize excellence. Um, in more recent years, I've, I've kind of led up on that concept a little bit. So we've done more pop music, more rock music in recent years, whereas in the early days, I, I wasn't going there. You know, the, the music wasn't as uh, deep as, as some of the things I was more attracted to. Um, but, but I think, you know, I think we've found a good sweet spot now that, that we do some pop, some rock, you know, some musicals, some jazz, some classical, you know, we're covering a lot of bases in our shows. Um, and, and, you know, I, I'm all also, I, I like to be out on the forefront of things. I don't like doing shows that everybody else has done. So, you know, I'm always looking for the next one that we, we can be, um, you know, the first at. So, um, you know, like the show that we're doing right out of the bat this year is, uh, right out of the shoot is, um, Kanye West gospel show. Now he's, changing his name so I don't know what we're going to call the show now but anyway it's some really interesting music um, off his Jesus is King album so so um, it's it the turn the show turned out way better than I expected it to so I'm really happy about that and I haven't even picked out 
our next show yet because I'm I'm waiting on some things to come out uh, in in theaters and and whatnot to see what the next hot thing is going to be. Oh wow! So so you guys do the shows like week or not week by week but like show by show essentially instead of like planning the entire season's worth of shows well normally i do but this year's an unusual year because we have one less home game than we normally do and we also have a game on september 11th and you know doing a normal halftime show on that day i think is not not necessarily in good taste so we're playing South Carolina State and HBCU band on that day and we're joining forces with them to do a combined show, a 9-11 tribute. And then we always also do a uh, Military Appreciation Day show, a patriotic show. Clemson was a military school until 1955 and so we do one halftime each year dedicated to that. So that only left four home games and our typical mode is to do a halftime show one week to one side of the stadium and then turn it around the next week and do it to the other side. And that allows us to get a little deeper into the show, maybe learn a few more sets, uh, you know, add some more visuals and whatnot. So so this year, we're only doing two halftime shows. You know, normal, I would say normal halftime shows, where in a normal year, we would do three. So the second show that we'll do at the end of the season uh, and post-game, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm not going to say what I'm thinking about, but I'm hoping um, there's something coming out that I have my eye on, and I think it might work out pretty well. Now, I, I actually did not know that Clemson was a military school until ni- 1955, I think was the day. Yep. I, obviously, you weren't the director back in 1955, and I don't really know how old the Clemson band is, but Purdue, our band, the Purdue band, has a lot of – we also – we started as an ROTC band. We were never a military school, but we did start as an ROTC band. And you can still see like a lot of those traditions that we had back in the day that still find their way into our modern band. Obviously, there are some changes, but you still see like you can tell we have that that history and that influence with us. And I'm wondering, do you guys have any sort of different like historical things or things that you guys do because you used to be a military school? Yeah, we do. We have a couple, uh, a few things that um, are, are definitely a nod to the past. First of all, we don't have a band president and secretary or whatever uh, you know other bands call them. We have a commander, a vice commander, and a sergeant major, and those are positions that are still left over from the military heritage of our band. The other thing is our uniform. Uh, um, we have a multi-look front to the uniform, so we perform our pregame. Uh, stuff in in a military front. It looks like a West Point uh, style uniform. And then when we get in the stands, we can turn that front shield around and it's got tiger stripes and it's really very modern looking and kind of wild. So I always joke with the band that we're schizophrenic. You know, our pregame is very traditional. We do it in a military style uniform. It's a lot, it's a lot of eight to five marching. It's all eight to five marching pretty much. Um, so very traditional pregame, which by the way has been done pretty much the same way since 1972 with really no changes hardly at all um a c- couple of changes but but mainly you know if if somebody from the band uh who was in the band in 1972 came and saw our pregame they'd say oh yeah that's exactly what i marched when i was in the band so uh from from that standpoint you know we have um uh, a lot of traditions that way as well so but but you know halftime we're, you know, we're all mm-hmm. modern and all that stuff. So I have, um, uh, and I guess 
possibly two, maybe three more questions. So the first one that I wanted to ask was, uh, in your experience at all of the marching bands that you've been in, um, how do you think, or, or how would you say that not only the athletics program itself, but also, I guess, like the fans that are at the games, how much more do you think that they've embraced uh, the different bands that you've been in over time, or has it been something that's been constant? Yeah, I would say that all those places, I should also throw in that I did my master's degree at Ball State, which is not a football-rich tradition, um, but great band. Uh, still, you know, it was a great band when I was there and still a great band. So I wanted to throw a nod to Ball State in there. Um, but yeah, all, all those other places, um, the band was super important to the game day experience. And really, all those bands were beloved by the fan bases uh, and, and really, you know, Still to this day, we all serve the function of, of sort of getting that fan base ready for the game experience, you know, the entrance of the team, uh, whatever that might look like in, in your particular situation, but just pumping up the crowd, getting everybody into a frenzy before kickoff. I mean, that's been like that since I marched at Michigan, you know, when the band came out of the tunnel there, the 100,000 people just going nuts, you know, uh, Florida you know, super crazy uh, football savvy fan base there, uh, you know, Texas, the Longhorn Band, uh, beloved by the fan base. And then, um, you know, now here, we're such an integral part of the game day atmosphere. You know, it just wouldn't be the same without bands doing what they do. You know, we'd have a, you know, an NFL environment is so different if you go to a pro game. It's so, to me, it seems so sterile you know, and, and uh, artificial, uh, whereas the college game and the college bands really provide that pageantry and energy, um, you know, to, to the game day experience. So I, so this is my last question. Uh, where, where do you go from here? What's the, what's the evolution uh, from where you guys are to what you think it's going to be in the future? Well, you know, I, I, it, it's always hard to say. I, I, I am concerned a little bit um uh, for the immediate future of college bands and and bands in general, not not to be a downer about this, but we've got uh, we've got some obstacles that we're going to have to overcome in the next few years. Obviously, COVID has really decimated um, the freshman class in high school right now. You know, w uh, we're getting reports that the freshman class is half the size of what it was the year before. Um, you know, pre-COVID. And so that is going to trickle up. Uh, that that very small ninth grade class right now is going to trickle up to us in four years. And then we've got another thing facing us, uh, whether people are, understand or know about this. In 2008, there was a severe financial downturn, and the birth rate in the United States dropped, uh, I mean, way down. I think 40% lower than a normal year. And so as that class or, or those those students who were not born in 2008, 2009, as that class moves through the system, uh, it's really decimating a lot of things uh, because, you know, the class size is so much smaller. So that class is due to hit the universities in 25, 26-ish, uh, and, you know, it's really going to play havoc with how colleges and universities um, are going to deal with a, a you know a lower number of potential students coming in, so uh, two two challenges ahead. How do we keep our numbers up? Uh, you know we're going to have to redouble our efforts and in the interest in band in high school. 
uh, get those students excited about what they're doing and, and get, get them to continue it into college. Uh, and, and we're going to have to all just help each other out through this time. You know, middle school directors, their, their classes were really small as well. So, you know, th those sixth graders that would have started last year, that's another small class. Then you had all the kids that quit. Uh, you know, we're facing uh, uh, some, some real challenges in the next few years. So beyond that, I think, um, you know, we, we keep, um, keep our energy up, keep our show design as good as we can, keep the quality up, show off our products, make sure we're still involved in, in uh, all the things that we're doing now and don't lose ground uh, given those pr other situations that are coming. Um, but yeah, you know, we're, we're always looking for the next cool thing and, and um, you know, what we also have to realize, you know, we're an entertainment, um, we're in the entertainment business. You know, our, our main function at halftime is to entertain our, fo our football crowd. I mean, w sometimes it can be self-serving, but, but ultimately, you know, you're wanting to make sure that your fan base is with you at halftime and not checking out and and uh, going to concessions, you know. The goal of mine is, you know, concessions, I want concessions way down at halftime, you know, they can go in the third quarter or something. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we just, we're just gonna have to um, keep doing what we're doing. And, and by the way, I should also mention that uh, in my experience, you know, I'm 58, about to be 59, been involved in college marching band since 1980. The quality across the profession has never been as good as it is now. There are so many great college marching bands right now, more than there ever have been, uh, and they're everywhere. They're in every corner of the country, whether it's uh, you know Big Ten, Pac-12, ACC, SEC, all the big conferences. You've got some great bands, Western Carolina, uh, you know, I mean HBCU bands. They're all doing great, great things right now, and the quality has never, ever been higher. That's awesome. And also, I just, I makes sense, but I never really thought about the fact that, like, that big drop in the birth rate is going to affect something like college marching band. That's just, that just kind of blew my mind when you were talking about that. I never heard of that before. But um, I guess to wrap it up, we ask one final question, and it is, what is the, what is the favorite show? I don't know if we say halftime or pregame, but let's just say favorite marching show that you've ever seen or marched. Hmm. Wow. Well, I, you know, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to pick one here at Clemson because I write most of the halftime shows here. Um, I've got two in mind. One is I mentioned it earlier. I didn't mention it by name, but the 2015 band, the first time we made the college football playoff, our halftime show was Wicked, the musical Wicked. You can look that one up on YouTube. I love that show. I love the way the music came together. I love the way the drill came together. Uh, all the uh, visual elements of that show. And then, uh, boy, I can't remember. I think it was 2019 or 18, maybe 18, our next national championship. Uh, well, I think we won it that year. Uh, we did The Greatest Showman. I know a lot of bands did The Greatest Showman, but we we did a, a really, um, you know, pulled out all the stops on that show. We had our guard dressed as circus performers and trapezes and uh, we had all, you know, we use props. We don't normally use props because we have to travel so much, but that was a great show too. So those two shows uh, really stick out in my mind um, as being, you know, just a little a little bit above um, in my own mind. But every halftime sh show we do is great. The next one is the best one ever. 
Kanye West is the best halftime show we've ever done. Well, with that being said, Mark, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. We really, really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule and talking with us, um, coming on the podcast. Uh, thanks so much again. And for everyone listening, stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back here on College Band Radio. That's all from us for this week's episode. This was a bit of a shorter episode, but we hope you all enjoyed that amazing interview. And once again, a huge thank you to Dr. Mark Speed for joining us to talk about what it's like to grow a band program alongside an equally as impressive football team. We also want to thank our friends over at Flip Folder App for their support. And of course, thank you for hanging out with us and listening to another episode of College Band Radio. And to make sure you don't miss any updates, make sure you go and follow us on all our social media platforms. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. And make sure and get yourself some of that College Band Radio merch. Make sure you tune in next week as well, when we'll take a deep dive into the work that goes into actually putting a show on the field. From all of us here at College Band Radio, have a great week!